Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back after a bit of a hiatus to Calling All Beings. I'm your host, DJ, along with my co-conspirator, <clears throat> co-collaborator, my per- my co-purveyor of love to UFO Twitter, the man that we call Money. Money Nathan. That introduction just gets better and better. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you, Money. He was already on with the UFO thinker, Frank. Today, you guys will see that whenever Frank decides to take it out the can and empty it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, next is our humorous antagonist, uh, the lovely one, the very pretty one, the eye candy of the show. And that's only because Deb's only showing her avatar. And right. that is Flarius Kevon. Big up. Up, Richard Dunn, we got Richard Dunn. We got Richard, Richard yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm for this is my I'm fake microphone. You like my new fake microphone? <laughs> it's beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's beautiful. Right. And let's welcome in our uh, researcher, contextualizer, a woman who's got a grasp, a grasp on all aspects of the phenomenon, both nuts and bolts, consciousness, all of it. She is tireless. She is the one and only. She is a great host in her own right of Deb's Data Dojo, adds his money, Nathan. By the way, capable brothers and sisters up in here. And her name is Deb. How are you, love? Hello, I'm good. Hello, everybody. What's up, Deb? Yep, your I'm hair excited. looks great today. I'm I'm sorry that Rick's not. I guess he did he did get to see it, but you know what can I say? Uh, next, let's bring on my brother from the USAF. First, a combat controller. Yes, it is the most difficult school that we have in the Air Force. And that wasn't one, enough for him. So he went into academia, came back as an Air Force OSI special agent. Put your hands together for none other than Mr. Rick Doody! Woo! Greetings. Freaking Doody! Greetings. Oh, my gosh. I am an FBI oh. agent, Doty. The ride is over. Oh. Sorry, that was from Point Break. Yeah. I know you saw that, right, Rick? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, All right, I was doing Johnny Utah right there. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to get to utter those words in real life. I am an FBI agent, Doty. The ride is over. All right. Anyway. Yes, we delivered that perfectly, though. Rick, it's great to see you. Good to have you. Thank back. you. Thank you, Nathan. Good to have you back, brother. Um, before we get started, be with the, uh, dude, it, okay, we didn't know this going in. Your episode on Calling All Beings, right, Nathan, is the most popular episode we have ever done. Numero uno. Yep. Great. That's for, that's for real, brother. We're serious. Um, and I want to get to a question to kick us off here, Rick. I think what is the most important question on, on the mind of all of UFO Twitter uh, and certainly of the cabbies ourselves as well, is what has happened to the mustache and is it going to come back? We were hoping the mustache would be back for this episode. And 
No, I gave I gave up on it. I um, I had a small uh, problem, a skin infection right there, and um, when I was growing it, and um, so I had to cut it off to get that to heal, and I just haven't uh, grown it back. So okay. Um, it's iconic, man. It's iconic. It's a moment of it's silence. It's iconic, man. It really it, is. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it really is one of the iconic mustaches uh, since, Dude. you know, Edward James almost in Miami Vice, you know, the police captain. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we'll, you know, I'll be sure to send you a fake mustache for your next appearance, if that's okay, if you could yeah, meet that requirement. Fine. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, because I'm I'm not going to go to Fort Bragg uh, tomorrow and tell your instructors that you were you know four minutes late on a TOT. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to do that. You know, um, we sent you a nine line. I'm just kidding. Anyway, all right. Let me turn it over to my brother, Money Nathan. Well, Rick, mustache or not, you look great, and it's yes. great to have you with us. Thank uh, you. I know everybody is looking forward to to hearing from you. Uh, I want to start off with uh, just, you know, kind of really jumping in the deep end a little bit here and want to get your thoughts on some things. So uh, I know you're familiar with kind of what's happening in the landscape right now with efforts like the Galileo Project, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, which miraculously has gotten out to where it needs to be and everything's calibrated. And we're all really excited to see what it's going to show us. Uh, efforts from groups like UAPX. And even recently, we've heard that uh, the Brazilian government is going to be doing some hearings uh, in their uh, in their legislative body. So what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that with some of these efforts, these civilian and non-U.S. governmental efforts, do you think we're going to get something out of these that will, uh, you know, kind of prompt uh, further dialogue or revelation from our government in this conversation? Well, I think all these uh, all these things on the agenda will tease the public more than it will answer any questions. I don't mm -hmm. I don't think there's going to be a disclosure uh, in the realm of answering the questions that the public has regarding the subject of UA UFOs or UAPs. Um, I do think that the uh, the James Webb Telescope. I think that's going to be a very interesting. Uh, aspect of this, this entire uh, uh, storyline, because if, if, if they release everything that they are going to look at, um, there's going to be a lot of questions to uh, NASA and, and NSA, because they're going to see things out there that we know it's out there um, that's been hidden from the public for many, many years, going back to the 80s when we planted deep uh, space uh, uh, satellites uh, out there within the solar system. So I don't know how they're going to answer that, or maybe they'll just keep the, the, the telescope away from, from those, those things. And then, of course, there's the, um, our friends, the uh, ETs, who uh, frequently visit our solar system. And if they take a picture of, of one of these crafts, uh, how do they answer that? So that's 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 the thing that I'm looking at. Um, these groups that are going to present some sort of a uh, disclosure or uh, I, I just saw yesterday where there's a possibility the Air Force is going to release uh, some more documents uh, pertaining to Blue Book that ha hasn't been released in the past. Well, that's going to present a Pandora's box because the first question is, 
why hasn't the Air Force released everything on Blue Book? Why, why you know, uh, 50 years later, they're deciding, oh, we're going to release something now, more more, pay, more of the classified stuff. So uh, I think there's a lot of teasing going on. I don't think there's going to be any any major disclosure. Now, as far as the Brazil Brazilians go, I, I was down there some, some time ago, and um, I uh, did a couple shows uh, on, on some incidents that happened down there. And uh, I met an, a Brazilian Air Force uh, retired colonel who um, spoke better English than I did. I, I don't speak any Portuguese, but uh, I do speak Spanish, but not Portuguese. But he uh, he told me that there's that the Brazilian government is in the process of, de- of declassifying uh, thousands of pages of documents and some photographs regarding. Uh, what they had found and what what they had taken uh, photos of, and 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 this goes back some some 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, back in the seventies, there was a uh, very very little has been released on this, but two Brazilian fighter jets uh, chased some some crafts, um, and this was this was. Um, Right around the uh, time of the Falkland War, of course, that was Argentina, but the Brazilians were in- involved in that, believe it or not. And and so they chased something and they thought initially it was uh, uh, maybe a British, something to do with the Brits. But come to find out it was a ET craft that uh, that their their aircrafts couldn't catch up to. Mm. So. Uh, Brazil, Brazil has some secrets and, and, and they may release some of it. Um, Rick, why do you, what compels you to be as engaged in, from a civilian standpoint in this topic as you are? Well, uh, I was, my, my lips were sealed for a good many years after leaving a government service, the intelligence community. And, uh, I had to, um, really strained to keep my lips closed because I, I've seen articles I've seen, uh, I saw, uh, people, uh, speak, uh, on TV and at, at venues, UFO conventions about, uh, subjects that I had access to, or I knew about, and they were distorting the stories, totally distorting the stories, or they're writing books about something that never happened, or maybe a little bit of what they write about, uh, was factual. Uh, the rest was either speculation or outright lies. And so when my um, NDA expired, uh, I decided, why not come forth? And uh, I know enough. Uh, I know what I can talk about and I know what I can't. And um, I have been visited by the FBI some years ago <laughs> about something that I talked about. And uh they came and took my hard drive and, and so forth. And, um, but anyways, they, 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 they didn't find anything seriously serious. And they just told me, Hey, I don't think you should talk about that. And I, I fully admitted I did. And obviously they had a recording of it. And so, um, uh, there's nothing happened to me except they took my hard drive, never gave it back. But I have proof here that they paid me $650 for a new computer. So, uh, <laughs> I have that receipt from the FBI, and I showed that a number of times. 
Was it an uh, upgrade? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, it was. Well, I could. Yeah, it was an older <laughs> the computer laptop. It was a there you a go, two thousand era uh, uh, laptop, and I and and so I, I got a I got a, a new one. Was, back then, you could buy a pretty good laptop for six hundred fifty dollars. Back in the, uh, about two thousand four, three, mm. four or five. Anyways, I, I know what I can't talk about, and I and I uh, I'm not going to talk about those things. Technology advancements and technologies that I had had access to both uh, it, it, during my intelligence service and also my employment with uh, Hal Putoff at the Institute for Advanced Studies. I worked there for eleven years, and uh, I, I had access to classified stuff there that I wouldn't I wouldn't, wouldn't talk about. But but that's just all high technology that we've gathered. Uh, and I'm not going to talk uh, uh, in details about some kind of advanced uh, propulsion system that we found out or we we developed with assistance of uh, ET technology. But but everything else is pretty much open to me. But you, do you feel com- I, I feel like there's a pa- there's a passion inside you that you want people to know about this. I I, I don't know. I just feel that like that you want. You feel like it's there and people should know about it. And that's just coming from me. I'm not saying you're saying that, but I feel that. Yes. I want to set the story straight. There's so much distortion, lies uh, within the UFO community that, that's that been going on for years uh, that uh, I'm, I'm, I tried to set the story straight. I'm trying to set uh, 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 separate fact from fiction. And... Um, there's some things out there that have been written that's 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 pretty good and it's right on. Um, uh, people like uh, Linda Howell, she's a excellent U- UFO researcher. I know her and I had uh, differences uh, some years ago, but I think uh, those things have, have passed. But she's an excellent uh, researcher and, and and she digs deep. She has good sources, good information. Um, and, and so she's one of them and there, and there, and there are others out there that, uh, that do a pretty good job. And then there's some out there that just make up things and just, I mean, just make it up. Um, and, and, uh, and I, I just can't sit, sit back and see that happen and, and not comment on it. We'll get, we'll definitely get to LMH later because we do have a specific question, but our humorist Flarius Kevin wants to address you for the first time. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> Richard Doty! It's it's so nice to talk to you. Oh my gosh, dude! Thank Richard you, Richard freaking Doty. I'm a little little starstruck, a little bit. My name's Kevin. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Kevin. <clears throat> um, this is my fake microphone, so I don't have a. I'm not going to start with a humorous question, actually. Yeah, he's going to put you a... off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I, especially if you haven't watched the show. So, um, well, we'll we'll just stay on topic. I got a question. So, like. With the 70 years of disinformation um, to evolve and circulate in like the public and both pu- both public and private domains, actually. So how can the U.S. government now possibly convince the mainstream of anything related like to the topic? Like, do you think that the government may have backed themselves into a corner that they're now struggling to get out of? Excellent question. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, the government's been hiding this from... 1947 on. I mean, they've been distorting uh, the stories, outright lying, uh, disinforming people, um, 
researchers who found out about it back in the 50s were, were silenced. Um, and there's a number of stories out there that are factual regarding uh, the, the, the Los Angeles Times. Uh, and this is in the 50s, a reporter that, uh, that was told about this whole story by an Air Force colonel out of Edwards Air Force Base. And, um, and then they shut him up. Uh, they just informed him. And, and so, yeah, the, the uh-huh. government has a lot to, they have a big hole to dig out of right. in order for, for, uh, for the public to believe him. Mm. Uh, do you think like people like Elizondo and Mellon, maybe that's what their, their MO is, you know, possibly to help uh, out? I think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what their agenda is. I, I, I've never mm-hmm. spoke to him. I, I actually was in the same room with Lou once and uh, never actually had a conversation with him. I knew Mellon. I knew of him. Um, the thing about Mellon that I question is the guy knows. Mm-hmm. The guy had all the clearances. All his tickets are punched. But if you listen to him, he'll talk for... 30 minutes, but not say a thing. <laughs> he doesn't reveal anything. He just talks mm-hmm. and he hides things because I think he still has a, uh, NDA, or I think he still has a, a clearance that he can't disclose certain things. Lou, on the other hand, I think Lou is the same way in the same position. He had, he had access to highly classified things and, uh, and he just can't talk about everything. But um, I don't, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are jumping all over Lou for this and that, and I'm not here to yeah. protect him. But, uh, you know, he, if you if you check into his background, he he's done everything he claims he's done. Mm-hmm. The, the the government is just not releasing what they what he wants them to release regarding the intimate uh, programs that he was involved with. But, you know, he has a good service record. Uh did everything uh, that he claimed he did. I mean, it's easily, you can check on this stuff. And um, so as far as Lou goes, uh, I think he's, you know, he's, he's a real thing, but as far as the UFO agenda, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know where, what he can say, what he can't say mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and what his actual agenda is. Right. And uh Thank you very much for that. Uh, you know, there's, it's literally like that could be like another three questions right there. There's so many places to, to go with you, but um, being that we're a show of uh, four, we've got to get everybody in there. And so somebody who has been a Rick Doty fan since your last <laughs> interview with us and then joined our show is Deb. Hi, yes. Deb. Hi. I told everyone that I wanted you to be my future BFF when I first came into Twitter. So I'm very glad to meet you. Please be my BFF. <laughs> Which means okay. best friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Dad. Okay. okay, that's not my question, by the way. But okay. Um, okay. So speaking of people coming forward and honesty versus confusion, et cetera, um, uh, I'm sure you've heard the name Boyd Bushman, former Lockheed engineer. Um, He came out into the public showing pictures that he said were extraterrestrials and UAP craft. Um, These were some of the images. Some people have shown a toy that looks pretty much exactly like this, but he got very specific about involvement with these extraterrestrials. 
Um, what are your thoughts about that? And in addition to that, where would one best find evidence for extraterrestrials being involved with the government or just being present? Well, the, uh, yeah, I, I've seen those pictures. Uh, I've had uh, a number of very, very, very smart people analyze those pictures when, when they were released. Uh, I've watched his video over and over again. Um, there's a lot that he says that is fa that are, that is factual. Uh, he did work for Lockheed and he actually worked for, uh, the, uh, a government, uh, another government entity that was at area 51. So, uh, he, you know, his background is, is factual. Uh, I don't know where he got those pictures from. I know that there's um, there's some pictures, some pe people, some skeptics uh, that have produced a uh, a toy. I think it was a toy, a, a kid's toy that looks just like that uh, ET. And um, he, they also recreated the background. So I don't know um, the. The agency that was respond, at least when I was in, in, in from 78 until 88, the agency responsible for ETs, the live ones, uh, the um, keeping them in captivity was a defense intelligence agency, DIA. And they were at uh, Area 51. The, there is a location called Annex 2, uh, which is northwest of Papoose Lake. Uh, you, and actually, the, you can download this on the Internet that somebody has t taken a satellite photograph of that that complex. And that is an actual complex where the uh, ETs were being held uh, either as at, a, at our guest as our guests or in captivity. And I think the latter is probably what we were doing uh, with them. Um, and so. Uh, if you want to, if you want the truth, you're going to have to dig in a DIA. And there's a guy out there called Gene Laskowski. And Gene is a, uh, he was uh, intimately involved with the program. He's still alive. He's, he's, he's on the internet. He does speak. He does. He had two YouTube videos. He doesn't say a whole lot, but he, he talks around about the subject of ETs. He talks about uh, in details about area 51 but not necessarily about anything that's that's contained there. So obviously he still has people watching him, but um, he taught, he, he does privately. He's talked at UFO conventions and with private people. He was good friends of Wendell Stevens. And I'm sure everybody knew a uh, window. Of course, unfortunately uh, window passed away a few years ago, but uh, window always invited Gene there and would, would, uh, host a, uh, a room where certain people would come in and uh, we, we could talk openly in that room about uh, highly classified stuff. And Gene always spoke very, uh, very details in that room about the subject. And he did talk about the, uh, the uh, ETs and, and <clears throat> let me, let me, uh, I was going to, I had a, a few things I wanted to talk about and let me, uh, Please you know, bring this up right right away. One of the things that people don't realize is that we we did uh, at least when I was in we knew five 
races of ETs that have visited Earth. Uh, the first one, Eben, crashed in, the, uh, crashed, uh, in 1947 in Corona, New Mexico. We had him in captivity for five years. We learned a lot from him. And then there were four other uh, races. Every one of those races were entirely different. Biologically speaking, they were entirely different. They came from different star groups, uh, different solar systems. Their biological chemistry is, were entirely different. They spoke different languages. Some didn't speak any languages. It was all uh, not, we didn't use the word telepathy. We used uh, thought transfer, uh, DIA, because it, it was more than just telepathy that they, they, could, they could, uh, could, could do with a human. They, they could actually plant visions of things in their heads. So uh, I read all the time about why can't we uh, make contact? Why can't we bring these creatures together? Why can't we do this? Well, they're all different. They're all different. And along with them all being different, the five that I know of now, there's going to be people out there saying, oh, no, there's a hundred of them we got or a thousand that we know of that visited her. Well, maybe maybe that's the case now, but. When I was in, I can only speak about when I was in, we had, we knew a five and each one of their crafts were different. Their technology was entirely different. So the, the idea that we had these crafts at area 51 or Nevada test site, uh, some of them were there. Um, and, and that, uh, why can't we figure them out, figure them out? Well, number one, we're looking at five different technologies. <laughs> And so it's, it's, it's very complicated for our scientists to uh, try to analyze and reproduce or recreate uh, technology based on these five different uh, technologies. Uh, we'd have to, uh, first of all, uh, learn, their, their, learn their science before we could understand. And the biggest mistake we made back and the uh, when we we found these crafts or, or obtained them uh, is that we were trying to apply our science and our technologies to understanding these crafts, and we ran up against a brick wall. And and Hal Putoff says this, Doctor Hal Putoff, very brilliant uh, scientist, very very good friend of mine. Um, he said that we couldn't understand what a bolt was if we were using our technology. So what we had to do and what these scientists, brilliant scientists, because I'm not a scientist, had to do was learn, begin to learn their technology in order to understand their crafts. And then that would lead in, in on the road of reverse engineering. Fascinating. Deb has a follow-up for you. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I got this right. So for someone to get the evidence that we all really, really want, that's what I think disclosure ultimately comes down to um, for people. Um, we should look into Annex 2 at Area 51, Afafus Lake. I probably said that wrong. Uh, dig into the DIA, look at Gene Lukowski and Windows Stevens. Is that correct? Just to summarize? Yeah, Wendell Stevens, of course, he died, I think, uh, eight, eight years ago, or, or I believe it was that. Wendell had a, a, a plethora of, 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 of information about UFOs. He had 
thousands and thousands of documents, some of which were were real stuff, uh, highly classified stuff. I don't know how he got them. I know that when he uh, died, the FBI paid paid his uh, family a visit. Uh, and I don't know exactly what happened. The rumors are that that they took a bunch. Uh, uh, and, and, and Robert Dean, who was his very best friend, uh, Sergeant Major Robert Dean, who died just a couple years ago, he uh, tried to protect those uh, documents. So um, Window Window had uh, had a lot of evidence on that. Um, but what I was uh, the area is S two Annex. Uh, northwest of Papoose Lake. You can find this on the internet and you can actually look, download a satellite photograph of that facility. Now, whether they're still there or not, I don't know. Uh, there's some rumors that they moved them. Um, and now another thing I wanted to talk about, if I can real quickly. The floor is yours. Yeah, okay. Is uh, Area 52. Now, uh, I was actually involved in this uh, history program where they were talking about uh, Area 52 being at uh, uh, in, the, in Utah. It being, it, it, <clears throat> uh, Area 52 is not in Utah. Area 52 is Tonopah. Tonopah Air Force Base, which is west of, of uh, Groom Lake. Uh, that's Area 52. That's officially Area 52. And at, ton, at Tonopah, which now Tonopah, Groom Lake all, is all within the Nellis test range, test and training range. Tonopah uh, has some very highly classified projects and has for years and years and years. And people kind of ignored that uh, area. Um, but uh, to set the story straight, Area 52 isn't at, uh, in Utah at Dugway Proving Grounds. It's in at Tonopah. Uh, that's actually Area 52. In fact, if you were able to enter the main gate uh, off Highway 6 um, and, and, and travel down the, the access road 20 miles and come into the main gate at Tunnelville Air Force Base, you'll see a sign right off to the right that says Area 52, Nellis Test and Training Range. Okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, the, I know I had a friend who worked F-117s there after, I guess it, I guess it was developed at Area 51, but I know when he worked on it, according to him, it was at Area 52 as a, as a maintainer. So. Well, I, w I, was, uh, I was there during that time period, and uh, we had uh, an, an OSI office at Tonopah. We had one at Grim Lake. We had one at Tonopah. I knew the agents at Tonopah, and, and what we were doing, uh, you know, our counterintelligence uh, efforts there at uh, Tonopah. In fact, a quick story about area, uh, about Tonopah, um, about 1982 or 83, and this is just, this is during the developmental stage of the F-117, they actually began to fly er a bit earlier. Um, they, we, they captured two Russians trying to penetrate uh, Tonopah. They actually got within... Uh, I think five or six miles of, of the actual base uh, where the 117s were stored. And before they were captured by uh, Air Force security police, turned over to OSI, and then eventually we turned over to the FBI. And um, so uh, that's how important 
I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with UFOs, but it, that's just how important that base was and how uh, much the, the, the Soviets during that time period when it was interested at the base, were interested in, in the base. And uh, so that's just a, a side note. Um, Where are they buried at Tonopah? So we can. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything else? Uh, because uh, the floor is yours. If you have, because uh, if you have something else that you wanted to speak about, um, the disclosure projects. Um, the the um, there's one that that I am involved with. Um, it's. Um, it's still kind of a hush hush thing, but there are uh, 12 of us and we're all ex or former uh, uh, intelligence officers, uh, some with DIA, some with the military, uh, uh, Air Force Intel, DET-22, which was uh, the espionage uh, uh, collectors within the Air Force, counterintelligence, counterespionage, OSI. And we got together some years ago, uh, 2010, actually. And um, we kind of pulled together our, our resources and thoughts and knowledge. And, and we added people, uh, some very w- well-known people during that time period. And we came up with a plan uh, uh, how we would like to see disclosure. Uh, there were people that were backing us, uh, but in 2017, uh, a few years ago, uh, somebody kind of threw a monkey wrench in it. Uh, they uh, reported us as being, um, had an agenda of, of releasing this, this story. And this is about the same time that the Nimitz thing came out and, and the uh, ATIP and, and so forth. So we kind of put a stop to it. We, we, we weren't warned or anything, but uh, there's some within uh, our group that decided not to do it and backed away. And, um, but now we're, we're reforming uh, this and we're trying to get some other people involved. Now, it's not going to be a, um, a dramatic disclosure and the steps of the, uh, of the Capitol or anything like that because uh, they won't let, I don't, I don't believe they would let us do that. Uh, we had a very, very, very good friend uh, in the government, Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid, um, who was uh, not necessarily in the group, but he was certainly peripherally on the outside looking in. And we had a number of meetings with him uh, facilitated by George Knapp um, and he was all for this. He gave us a lot of advice uh, on how we should do it. And, you know, 90% of everything he told us was right on. Of course, there's, there's always people within that, that decides, you know, I, I don't think we should go that way. And, and we had a, a retired Air Force general involved in this with our inner group. And he said, you know, I really respect uh, Senator Reid, but I, he's never worked within intelligence. So maybe we should do it this way. So there was always some conjecture about you know, what we should do or should do. But um, he, he uh, actually hooked us up with some people that we, we didn't even know of uh, who are, are 
who were retired years and years and years ago. And um, we met with these people. They weren't, they weren't so open at first. Uh, they wanted the disclosure. They wanted us to, uh, they wanted somehow the story, the real story of the UFO phenomena to be told. They really wanted it, but they didn't want to do it because of their background. If I was to name them right now, everyone would know them. I don't care who right. you are. You're going to know these people. And so, uh, you know, we took their advice and said, well, let's, let's see how we're going to do this. And so uh, we've kind of, uh, we met here and there. Uh, we've we've uh, actually managed to um, uh, dig up the old uh, aviary. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, and, and, and we're putting that together. And uh, so we're working on it uh, somewhat secretly, but we're working on it. And I think we have a pretty good idea. I don't want to, unfortunately, I can't talk about a lot of things that we want to do, but I think we have a, you know, based on what uh, Harry Reid told us and, and some of the others that uh, were intimately involved in this, in the program years ago, I think we have an idea how we can do this and um, we're going to try to put it together uh, in the very, very near future. Well, this is very exciting. I think to everybody that's on the panel right now and people listening. And also I have one idea of what you could call your group. You could think about, I'm just thinking of a name, just throwing it out there. Maybe like the majestic 12. <laughs> Good one. And with that, let me pass it to Money Nathan. <laughs> well, uh, that's fantastic news. Was that good? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's got a great ring to it, really. Um, but uh, no, that, that's I never really heard exciting. that before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Maybe the, the splendid twelve. I don't know. No, but, I, I'm um, going to save the best for last. Uh, before I end this, I'm going to tell you something that nobody knows about. So, okay, uh, stay tuned. We Fantastic. love you, Rick. If you didn't already know that, go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny that you kind of went ahead and went there, Rick, because I was going to ask you a question along these lines. So, you know, you've had decades to sort of think about this, and your place in this story is, you know, very well known. And um, I'm sure you've thought long and hard and had conversations with your colleagues about, you know, what is the best way and what the ramifications are for humanity and you know, I, I just would love to hear maybe a little tidbit. I don't want to give away the full plan, but, you know, in your words, what are the kind of downstream consequences of us getting more information about what's going on in, in an official capacity? I think we're all hearing what you're telling us. And, you know, we, we want to believe that, but obviously there's like this need for, that that stamp of legitimacy that the world will have to see in order for us to kind of all look at each other and go, okay, yeah, this is, this is legit. So, you know, when that moment comes, if it ever does, we might debate on the gradation of what that might look like. What are some of the downstream consequences in your mind? I'm sure you've thought about this a lot of, of what will follow. Oh gosh. Um, I could speak for hours on that. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, that disclosure uh, creates other than a million questions um, is how, how, how does the government prepare the, the, the public for a disclosure of, of information 
that maybe the public doesn't want to hear. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, what if we what if we found out that uh, EBA, the Ebens that, that crashed in uh, Socorro, I mean at uh, uh, Corona and out west of Socorro, uh, what if we what if EBA one told us that they planted somebody here on Earth two thousand years ago, uh, though they didn't name him Jesus, but if 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 that fully came out and was sanctioned by the government. Uh, what what are the what are religious leaders going to think? Number one, what are the just the, the person who's a uh, a born again Christian or a or a, a strong belief in their particular religion? That's not be Christianity. It can be Judaism, uh, 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 Islam, uh, Hinduism. Uh, that then what are they what are they going to think? That that we uh, that another alien race has planted religion on this earth. Uh, I mean, there's there's all sorts of of uh, complications in a disclosure, and the government has to sit back and think, okay, how are we going to handle this? The first thing they got to come uh, figure out how to do is how do you tell the tell the public, okay, we've kept this from you for uh, seventy years. We've <laughs> lied to you for seventy years. Uh, we've disinformed you for 70 years. We, we, we had uh, elaborate disinformation campaigns, some of which I was involved with, to fool the public into thinking that a, either, yeah, what you were seeing were, were UFOs or what you're seeing was some kind of advanced technology and hiding one or the other from the public, hiding our advanced technology or their advanced how do we explain what President Reagan was at, had access to in the 1980s that scared him, that kept him up at night? I mean, how do, how do you explain all that to the people? Well, I don't know, but that's, that's what we're up against in the disclosure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's that segment, Nathan, of, of, of uh, people who are going to say, it's all bull. You guys are lying. It's, right. Everything is disinformation uh, from – from the cra- crash in 1947 uh, until the in, in, in the Nimitz incident, uh, it's all it's all fake. So um, I don't try. I, I I come up against that 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 segment a lot uh, at UFO conventions. I mean, I get hundreds and hundreds of emails a week from people, uh, mostly positive, but there's always that the skeptic. Some legitimately legitimate skeptics not they don't swear or cuss at me i don't i don't take those emails they ask me really legitimate questions of 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 how can we believe you now when the government's disinformed not just me but there were hundreds of other people doing the same thing i was doing uh disinforming the public about the subject now how how are we supposed to believe you now uh and my answer to that is if the government does it in, a, in the right way uh, and shows proof, they're going to have to come out and show proof, hmm. real proof, uh, and, and then explain it. Okay, we don't want to scare the, We didn't want to scare the public. Uh, we wanted to try to understand whether there was a threat to national security or, th- or a threat to, to security of the earth. Uh, hmm. Were these... With these uh, entities coming to our planet because 
they needed something here. Uh, they were hostile. Uh, they wanted to take over our planet because they had a dying planet. Uh, we, we have to explain all those. We have, have to have answers because if we come out with a disclosure and not have the answers, that's going to create more of a problem than not disclosing. Right. Well, I would say that to certain degree, some of this would be refreshing, like would be welcome because a lot of the population, maybe most of the population already believes the government's been lying to us, if, if not about this topic, about certainly lots of things. There's a lot of distrust in government generally right now. So this in a way could help restore trust by saying, you know, just what you said, we 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 were at fault. We made some mistakes in hindsight. Maybe we made some some calls we wouldn't make now, but we did it for these reasons. I mean, that to me, that sounds like a mature conversation to have that that adults in the country would welcome because we're then treated like adults who could have that conversation. But I also want to ask you sort of what is the extent of the partnership with these other entities themselves? And obviously they're not all probably aligned and have the same agendas and all those kinds of things. But I would hope that there is some sense of collaboration. I mean, if they are advanced, far advanced from us, surely they've seen civilizations like ours before they've been through some of this before i would hope they could help us kind of through this process do you think that that that's a possibility well uh, you know you bring up a good point but that's uh, provided we actually have communicated thoroughly communicated with these different entities and can understand uh, their agenda and mm -hmm. uh, and i think that's the problem. I don't know that we have. I'm not, uh, I was never, I never had access to uh, that area of, of, of this, of this uh, uh, dilemma. Um, I knew they existed. I, I've seen photographs. I've seen crash sites. I've seen crafts. Uh, we chased Videos. one that escaped. Uh, but as far as knowing what they, what their agenda is or having communicated with them, uh, I haven't ever done that and I hadn't had access. That would be very compartmented. Uh, I wish I did. I wish I knew th those answers. Um, I would think, and this is just what I think, I don't have any inside information on this, but I think uh, you bring up an excellent point that there must be some sort of cooperation if there are five, let's just say for, for sake of argument, five uh, ET groups that are visiting Earth, there must be some sort of cooperation or agreement between them uh, so they don't get into a, a, a fight or, a, or, a, or some kind of a, a, a war between themselves. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, I think there must be. Now, the other side of this, do we have... Uh, some sort of agreement with them. Now, the only thing I can speak about is what Eba one said uh, is that uh, he tried uh, to facilitate an agreement between the Ebens and, and Earth. And now you can believe the Serple story. You can believe some of the Serple story. You can believe None of the circle story, um, but there was some sort of an agreement between Ebens and, and us uh, for them to come back 
1964 and pick up their bodies, the bodies of the, of the Ebens that were in the craft, and then even one who died in 52. Um, now, I wasn't around back then, and I've, I've, I've talked to people who say, yeah, we had an exchange program, but there were only three people involved, three astronauts. And then I, I talked to other people who said, nope, there's 12, it's proven, the documents are there. So you believe what you want to believe. I, I personally believe there was, there's strong evidence that there was an exchange program. Now, who went? I don't know. Uh, three or, or, or 12, I, I don't know. Um, and so uh, we had some sort of an arrangement with the Evans. Now, Linda Howell actually had contact with the, the handling agent of, uh, of, of Eva One before he died. And she, she talks uh, uh, more knowledgeable than I do about it because I never spoke to that person. It was Air Force captain, intelligence officer, was actually lived with Eva One for five years and was able to communicate. Uh, so uh, there's, there's strong evidence that uh, we have some sort of agreement or working relationships with the Evans, but I don't know about the others. That, that's funny, Rick, because you'd be like, you know, telling your wife, hey, I'm going on TDY. I, I can't tell you where I'm going, but it, it's not very close. I don't know when I'm coming back. So the funding for this TDY, it's, it's kind of indefinite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. no, all kidding aside, I was blown away. I heard you say that. I want to shout out Thomas Fessler for the interview that you had with Thomas Fessler and his team. That was a fantastic interview. Uh, very, very comprehensive in nature and brilliant questions from his panel. Uh, and so I heard you say, and, and this was in the lead up, studying up for this this interview. I heard you say that about the, and I thought that the, an exchange program would be total BS, total fabrication. And when I heard you say that, I was kind of blown away. So, um, and this also, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to this as sort of a follow up about. A source that I had that said that they came and actually took a craft back that was given to us. And I'll ask you about that. But let's let's focus on the, the biological creature first and then we can go to the craft. Are you where are you at on, on that situation that we actually had a second being that they gave to us in exchange for human beings? I read a document was uh, that Wendell Stevens had that was heavily redacted, uh, but you know, reading through it, you could get the gist of what the, the subject matter was, and it pertained to an, an exchange program, and and it uh, talks about um, Eba One helped us uh, with the items found in the craft, the communications device and the energy device, explained to a to us what they were and how uh, we should use them to communicate or send messages to us, to circle the, the planet, to his planet in order to, to bring uh, a rescue ship back. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm pretty sure that's factual. Now uh, it also sp speaks about an exchange program, how, how they did this. And it's an elaborate system of how they were able to, how we were able to send, messages that that went somehow faster than the speed of light because if that planet was 40 light years away 30 37 or 38.5 light years away 
how did we get messages back and forth as quick mm -hmm. as, as, as they did? Well, there's a method to do that, and we know about it now. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that even Dr. Putoff has, has worked on. So anyways, they, they must have done it in some manner. Anyway, and, and uh, so we did, and we set up this exchange program. They left EBA 2 here in 64, 65, whatever date you want to believe. And then our astronauts went back to uh, Serpo, uh, either three or twelve, we don't, whatever you want to believe there. And then the EVA two stayed here until uh, the other ones supposedly were supposed to come back in ten years, but they didn't come back uh, for twelve years or thirteen years because of the time differences mm -hmm. uh, is so strange. And then uh, EVA two, then uh, some people say he stayed or actually it was a female. She stayed mm -hmm. and some said, no, she went back. So I, uh, I don't know anything factual other mm -hmm. than what this document that window had and, and some of the other people that uh, were around back then uh, alluded to that. Uh, yeah, we did have an exchange program, a particular general air force general, who unfortunately passed away some years ago, um, stood by that. I mean, he, he was at a, UFO convention in 2006 and said, everything that you're saying about this exchange program is factual, except for the numbers of people, of astronauts. If it and was one, it would be incredible. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, I was just, I was just going to say that you took the words out of my mouth. If it was just one person, we'd say one for one, that would be a, a phenomenon. And, and so I think they were, I think there's just three. I think, Linda would say there was only three, but uh, and then there's I, I, then there's just another person out there who still talks about it, um, and his credibility is kind of uh, questionable. That um, he he says that he can verify that there were twelve. But, so um, that's that's what let, I know. Let me ask you something before we get into craft, because I'm going to ask you that question about craft. Do you know if Eben had emotions? Did they miss home? I hate to use an ET phone home reference or type of thing. Did they feel emotion like that they, they missed their kind? Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. doing the two fingers? Did they, did, uh, seriously, all kidding aside, was there an emotional component that you had been made aware of between uh, either EBIN 1 or EB2 that, that, uh, that they missed a connection with home? Yeah, I, I have a uh, – there's a person still alive today. He's up there uh, probably 90-something. Uh, who knew about the uh, uh, knew about Eba One? Actually, met with Eba One. Didn't didn't communicate that well with him, but but spoke to his handler, the Air Force captain. And um, uh, yeah, he did have a uh, emotions. He wanted to go home, and that's why he was trying to facilitate all these methods to communicate with his home planet to try to get a rescue ship back and and take him home. He he wanted that. You know, unfortunately, he passed away uh, again. Uh, I don't really understand why, although there's there's people smarter than me, like Dr. Kit Green and some others uh, who figured out that, you know, our germs killed him, basically. You know, we did just uh, uh, so. Uh, yeah, he wanted he had emotions and, and he did want to get back home. And, and that's why he was trying to get this done uh, within his life time period. He obviously didn't know he was going to die, but 
Um, and we were trying to do the same thing uh, to, 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 to help him, help him along. And I think now uh, I, I've been told by somebody who was a uh, uh, in the Reagan administration back in those days that uh, Steven Spielberg was given a lot of information had to about been. this had to have been a lot of information about this and um and he you know made a, a the, the program et based on on eva one uh, it's too serendipitous to not <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah um the last question i have for you before i turn it over to kevin because we all need some rick Doty in our life and we only have 25 more minutes of rick Doty is um relative so i heard that i heard that from a from a source that i trust so it's it's third hand sec, second or third third hand information to me from a source that they trust that and and it goes on on doc valet's theory that we've been gifted craft something that i thought had no merit and then i had to readjust my position on that my thoughts on that after hearing this that 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 uh, we were gifted a craft, and then that craft was taken back. Do you have any opinion or knowledge that that happened? Um, I've heard, I've heard that story uh, from a, a number of people. Uh, I sat at a. Uh, I work for Gaia. I, I'm on Gaia, uh, employed by Gaia. I was sitting in a, a pre-production meeting with with somebody, and and we were, and he he would would have known some of this. And he told me, uh, yeah, we, you know, we were gifted uh, two crafts and we studied them and then we gave them back. Uh, now, I don't know anything firsthand. I, I, I didn't have the clearance uh, for technology. I mean, that's a separate clearance compartmented. Um, and so I, I can't answer uh, you know, the question that uh, whether I actually knew this or not. Um, I know that... Uh, I know that we obtain crafts that no one knows about uh, crash sites, two of them in Nevada um, that we've, we found in the sixties and, and um, I think one in the, in the middle sixties and one in the late sixties and we recovered them and, and the ETs in board, aboard them. And, and that's probably why we had them in captivity because one particular group wasn't very, uh, very nice. They didn't play nice, uh, so to speak. And so, uh, but as far as the, me actually knowing whether we had them and gave them back, I, I, I can just guess, I just tell you what I know is rumors, but I don't know anything firsthand. Same here. Same here. Kev. That's just wild. I mean, here's the thing, this stuff, it goes back way, way past 70 years. I mean, you've got, you've got the Romans, you've been their flying shields, you know, you've got, it just it it goes back forever i mean hancock says we're a species with amnesia you know i'm wondering if counterintelligence have had they have any had any efforts relating to like ancient sites like maybe archaeology is there stuff that the government has kind of made a mess of in that topic as well relating to the ufo subject i don't know anything firsthand but i've certainly been to uh, Giza, I've been to uh, uh, Mexico, I've been to the sites uh, and looked at the artifacts. 
Yeah. And I, 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 I personally believe there has to be connection. It's just, it's just astonishing to see uh, these pyramids and these other things can be related to ETs. And what I'm really fascinated with are, are the petroglyphs or the, the cave drawings, uh, you know, cavemen are, are yes. 10,000 years ago are drawing yes. ETs. Uh, how, how can you how can you rationalize that unless they have right. been visiting the earth for that long? And you've got the Dogon symbols, which are, you know, the our Do physics principles. Yep. You like exactly. this goes back so far. We're, I mean, we're only at the tip of the iceberg right now, I think. Like, um, I mean, here's the thing. <sighs> you know, one look at social media and the, the public doesn't really seem to be interested in engaging in this topic. You know, they don't they don't seem to be see the benefits in doing so so someone who served and has that inside knowledge how concerned are you with that public perception you know that we're all just kind of nutters when there's it goes back so far you know well uh there are a lot of people out there uh who uh, i spoke to an archaeologist uh, just uh, a few few years ago who uh, doesn't he didn't doesn't necessarily believe in the UFO phenomena, but mm -hmm. his his question is he can't understand uh, how some of these archaeological sites can exist on Earth, and some of these other things that he's had access to and seen up up front in person. How can it have been How could we generate something like that here on Earth, in the in the caveman era, or even in the Native American era, uh, and and understand it in the realm of of advanced technology? S somehow, something happened, hmm. and uh, although I argue the point that you know there were ETs came here, well, he says yeah, or maybe something else. Uh, you know, there's people that says it's interdimensional and is, you know, I don't believe that necessarily, but uh, it's a possibility. <laughs> it's a possibility. Uh, and so, um, you know, you see, you find this stuff all over. Uh, and, and a quick analogy, I was during my uh, CCT days, uh, I was on a... Um, an operation where we um, we were in a remote area and we were setting up a, a, a comm link for a special operations mission. And we got into this cave and we found this box. And now CCTs are, we're pretty good in communications and, and, and any type of communications. And we we're also taught to, to repair, being able to repair things on the, on, on the field. We found this box we knew it was something, but we couldn't figure out what it was. And so we kind of put it aside and we, and after the operation was over with, we took it back and I gave it to one of our technicians who wasn't CTT, but he was a, a, a repair technician. And I, I just gave it to him and he said, <laughs> I saw him months later and he said, Jesus, you know, you just gave us an artifact that's probably a thousand years old. And I said, what? Whoa. Impossible. That thing had knobs on it. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know it had knobs on it, but it's, it's, we can't even understand it. Wow. So but, but that was before I ever, ever got into the subject of UFOs. And then you jump ahead years later when I was in 
got briefed into the program, I always thought about that thing. Okay, it had to be an ET that they left here on Earth. But when I was trying to go out and find it, everything's classified about it now. So mm-hmm. it's just an example of mm-hmm. of things that have been found that uh, we we can't understand. Uh, and they're they're thousands of years old. There's a there's a th- something that was found in the Tibet uh, uh, years ago that is in a museum, and and I think the History Channel or somebody uh, Learning Channel somebody did a special on it. Uh, but they couldn't figure out that, what that was. But it had knobs on it, gauges. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we didn't have that technology ten thousand right. five thousand years ago. Right. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out how to make the wheel. Uh, Deb. Exactly. <laughs> Hi there. So I have some questions from the audience and quite a few of my own, and I'm going to try to do it as a lightning round in the interest okay. of time. So we're just going to go with uh, asking you to say yes or no, if that's okay. okay. Sure. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Is NASA keeping info from the public related to the UAP topic? Yes. Do you feel the government is overclassifying UAP information? Absolutely, yes. Could human abductions be linked to the exchange program? I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in a position to answer that question. I don't I don't Okay, know. that's fine. But you can definitely say pass. Don't feel pressured okay. at all. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um do you support amnesty for people coming forward to help Congress with transparency, oversight, and disclosure? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Is the U.S. government responsible for some of the cases of cattle mutilations? Yes. Okay. Would that possibly be due to Project Plowshare or uh, experiments with mad cow disease? Well, I don't know the exact reason, but I know the government has a program. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, is Project wow. uh, Blue Book Report 13 the document being released by any chance? I believe it is, yes. Have you heard that Project Blue Book Report 13 has to do with human mutilation? Hmm, I know that answer. <laughs> uh, you can say I'd pass. Not, I'd rather not answer that. Yeah, pass is totally fine. Don't forget okay. to pass is cool. <laughs> okay. Um, I looked at Project Garnet, which was the um, part of the documents that Linda Moulton Howe had looked at some time ago and found a connection to DNA. So my question is, is there a Project Garnet related to how DNA is connected to humans and ET? Yes. Okay. Is there a yellow and or red book used by the government to keep track of ET contacts and races? Well, the yellow book is something given to us uh, by EBA. And then the, uh, the red book is uh, our <coughs> historical uh, collection of UFO data. Okay. Um, do you think that the other, well, I'm sorry, yes or no, do you, the others use wormholes as suggested by Eric Davis? Yes. Okay. Is the UFO community a test study for disclosure? Uh, you some of it, yes. <laughs> I, okay. I'd say yes. I yes. Okay. Um, do you feel the phenomenon will reveal itself on its own in an undeniable way for the entire planet? 
Um, I'll pass. I don't know. Okay. Um, has the government been experimenting with time travel? Yes. Has the government created a portal? Not a portal, but something else. It's something, yeah. Okay. As you, as you can tell, Rick, uh, Deb has enough in the rapid fire round to put 30 millimeter rounds in every <laughs> tank in Kiev. We have like 17 rounds in it r right now. Yeah. No, so I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to do it. I'm I trying love to do it. it. Go ahead, Deb. Out of respect to time. Um, I love it. Yeah. Was Clifford Stone accurate in his statements regarding moon dust? Yes. I already knew that one, by the way, because the DIA let that one slip to you, everybody. Okay, okay. Hermione. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Um, do you think Bob Lazar actually worked at S4 to reverse engineer craft? I know Bob Lazar worked there. I absolutely know he worked there. Yes. Okay. Um, do you Whoa. feel like being public is suggested for other people coming out to keep them safe within um well, how should I put this? Within the public eye, when they're disclosing information. Yes. Okay. I agree with that, too. Are my labs occurring? As what? My labs. Are they actually a thing? Yes. Do you think the government is continuing to try to use psychotronics, remote viewing, or mind control experiments on the public? Yes. And my last, so my last one, DJ. I just want to make sure Grant, Grant's question got in there, but go ahead, Grant Lavac, go ahead. Well, yeah, this that I had some of his, I put some in here, awesome. but some of them are too long to okay. make into a lightning round. Okay, copy. Last one. Do you think poltergeist, ghosts, cryptids, and other concepts like Bigfoot may be connected to the UAP phenomenon? Yes. Okay, and I guess I had one last fun one. <laughs> How about adding, uh, changing your name to Aviary 12? How about that one? <laughs> the group. I like that one. Good Aviary idea, yeah. 12. I, saw, I saw that in a chat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deb, Deb is so lovable. Uh, Money Nathan. Okay, so I want to go to this uh, uh, place. There, there seem to be layers to this issue. And um, we, in many ways, it seems almost as if we are disentangling things that have accumulated this crust that has accumulated on this topic over the decades that that i hear from you we need to kind of chip that away and get back to some some more core elements but a lot of the things that are talked about now some leading theories you hear the word consciousness consciousness is thrown out quite a lot so do you think that wh where do you think consciousness fits into the overall paradigm or or model of reality with respect to this topic i think it's connected in some way i'm i'm uh you know i i i, I look at it more philosophically than in in details or i mean i'm not a um that's probably the weakest area that i've ever uh, studied or, or was involved with during my, the, my time in intelligence but I think there's something to it. I, I've learned more, so much more after uh, getting out and, and working with Gaia and, and listening to some of these contactees, abductees, and these um, uh, people who are more attuned to the uh, consciousness level 
and how they relate the consciousness to uh, a, a living something living and i think that's fascinating but you know that's really the only way i the only thing i can comment on okay great um rick and because we we want to give you the last five minutes to talk about what you what you had but i wanted to get in there and you spoke about autopsies and we are both honored and blessed to have two people involved in therapy on this show uh deb is involved in therapy and Flarius Kevin is also involved in, in therapy of uh, children and Deb, adults as well. Um, and I thought about the autopsies because you, I think, had, I don't know if you had, I know you had witnessed something. I don't know if that were was autopsies or actual interviews. Um, but how do you think or, or do you know that some of these medical professionals would be able to deal with what kind of trauma that may have overcome them as a result of, of performing an autopsy on a being? Well, I know of, of uh, some military physicians and some private physicians. Um, and I speak, I can't speak for Dr. Green, a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and we were actually on operations together, him and I, not, not, not medical operations, but, uh, uh, operations real classified stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um uh but there there are others that have spoken about this uh about autopsies and how how it affects them uh and and um you know it does i mean regardless of of even a regular and i have a very good friend who's a, a surgeon here in in albuquerque who uh is a general surgeon and he's been one for 45 years and he, he operates and, you know, if he, when he, when he, when he's dealing with children, um, it really affects him, uh, even after thousands of surgeries. So when you're dealing with an ET, something that they've never seen before, there's a lot of fl red flags that go up. When I cut into this, there's a fumes coming, going to come out that's going to kill me or affect me. Uh, do they, you know, they, is there a chance that they rejuvenate themselves and and so forth and so on? So all those all those things uh, are play into to these doctors. Uh, the two of them had worked for the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology in Washington D.C. and done autopsies, and they flew out to to, to uh, Nevada to do them. And you know they they all these things they worry about. You know they they were in hazmat suits uh, when they when they did it. I did actually see a part of a, a, an, an alien autopsy, an old one. It, was, uh, it wasn't an even. Uh, it was some, something, I think it was a Kingman crash. Uh, I saw uh, about seven or eight minutes of it. Uh, it was, I think the whole thing was like an hour and a half, and I only saw a segment of it, wow. uh, which was kind of odd because, you know, the skin texture were different. They had to use different knives and, you know, things like that. So I go back to what I said earlier, every one of these ETs that we've had access to or, or captured or, or obtained in some manner are all different, biologically speaking. So we have to know just because we did an autopsy on EBA 1 or the EBAs that were in the crash uh, doesn't mean that we understand the, the, the anatomy of, of this other one that that craft 
that crashed in Kingman that weren't Evens or the one that craft crashed in 1965 in Nevada that was some other race. It looked like uh, 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 an insect, a, a praying mantis. So, so you know, we, they, they have to they have to um, learn all over again, so to speak, mm-hmm. because the organs inside the, the the lungs and heart and what we would consider lungs and heart are all different. And then and then top it all off, uh, we we had a deal with one that that breathed uh, some methane. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were from a planet that had methane in the atmosphere. So, and we had to facilitate them at at the S two complex in order to keep them alive. Uh, so uh, these were all things that uh, we be, our scientists became uh, rather good at after a while, but. Uh, it, it, it affects them. And the ones that I've spoken with, yes, the answer would be yes. You'd have to. And, you know, Rick, we can bring them to those cow pastures in Clovis. There's tons of methane. I think the <laughs> beings could live there with no problem. The humans are having trouble breathing the air in Clovis. But I, I think anyway, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I agree. <laughs> sorry, Cannon Air Force Base. I love you and I miss you. All right. Um, anyway, Rick, so the floor is yours for what you you wanted to talk about. Well, uh, I spoke uh, uh, about uh, uh, different things regarding technology and ET, the different ET groups. One thing I want to talk about is um, I want to tell you right now, um, and it's not, and I'm sure the FBI is not going to be knocking at my door, but um, (laughs) I hope not. Everybody, everybody wants to know uh, what happened to MJ-12. Now, over the years, you know, there was really an MJ-12. I think it's pretty much been established that it was an MJ-12. It was a working group. It was called MJ-12, Magic-12, Majestic-12. And over the years, the name has changed. And what it's called right now is Operation Working Group 12. So I don't know if anybody knows this now, but... Uh, it was, I heard it from another person who would, would know (laughs) he's still in intelligence and, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disclose who's in that working group, but it's called, uh, OWG 12 operations working group 12. And it, uh, it's the controller, uh, for the information uh, regarding UAPs and UFOs um, that the U.S. government has. Now, what I also want to talk about is the cooperation. Uh, this this question comes up all the time. How much cooperation do we have with other governments? Well, I can tell you right now, we have a lot. I never I never talked about this in the past, but we have uh, we have working groups. We have. Um, connections between most of our allied intelligence services, uh, primarily uh, our, our best uh, would be with German intelligence, with, with the, 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 the Bundesnachrichtendienst, which is their CIA, the uh, Bundesverfassungsschutz, uh, uh, which is their counterintelligence uh, service. Um, so we have excellent working relationship and what I suggest you do, uh, your viewers do, is go to Gaia and listen to Tim 
Uh, he's a German intelligence officer. And listen to him. Uh, we have a, we have a, a program, him and I, an episode, him and I talk about the subject. But you need to talk just to listen to him. That's just one example. But we, we do have a good working group with Italian intelligence, Japanese, uh, uh, South African, uh, uh, and, and others. But, the, but we have really, really close ones with our NATO uh, allies. So we are getting information not only from us, but we're also getting information from other uh, cooperation with other intelligence agencies in, in, the, uh, in the NATO realm and, and some others that aren't NATO, such as Japan. Uh, so we're, we're connected. And uh, finally, uh, somebody mentioned ta time travel. I was a counterintelligence officer for a project uh, that occurred at Nevada, Nevada, test, Nevada test site, which is now Nevada National Security Site, that dealt with it. It was the Sandia National Laboratories. And, that, and believe me right now, when I tell you that we know how to time travel. Now, whether we actually done it or not, I can't go in. I don't know. But we know how, we, we know how it's done. And uh, I'll close with that. That portends a lot of, a lot of questions. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm picking my jaw off the floor. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Rick. Um, I, I'm not sure what I want to ask. I, I guess that what I am a little bit, what I want to ask you is something about, is, do you think our, let me put it this way, that there's a, there's a great novel written by a Chinese novelist called The Three-Body Problem. I don't know if you've heard of it. But it's a trilogy, and it talks about. Um, uh, and Lou Elizondo mentioned this in one of his interviews that uh, it, it was a, a book worth kind of taking a look at. Anyway, it's excellent. But one of the concepts in this book, essentially, is that we sort of learn that whatever intelligence is present on the Earth has a great awareness of what we are doing, and yet they are also kind of on their way in a way they're not here at the moment or they're kind of here of an observing capacity, but some of the reason for the obfuscation and the, uh, you know, subterfuge of this topic perpetrated by governments is in part to kind of conceal what we are doing in preparation or response to whatever they may be doing. Uh, you know, can you speak to some of that? Even if we, even if we have no reason to think they are a threat, do you think there is, an active effort to sort of conceal our own work to understand them and things that we may be doing in order to combat them. If we had to combat them, not saying we would, but surely someone's thought about that and is thinking about how to do that. Well, as TJ um, knows, the military plans for everything, every single thing you can think of that, military can plan for 10,000 other things, invasion from Mars, invasion from Venus. They have a plan, an operations plan for everything. And believe me, the, uh, the, the United States government, when I was, um, when I had access to uh, uh, the war plan, um, Annex K, which was the intelligence portion of the uh, war, of of the United States war plan, 
in that uh, in its highly ta- uh, classified top secret. Um, it had a, um, a plan for an invasion of, of from, uh, and they made up a group uh, of aliens, but w- from and advanced aircrafts, advanced spaceships, and so forth, and so on, and so on. And so uh, we have a plan, and and you bring up an ex- interesting point that I don't like to talk a lot about is we ha- we have a plan. We had a plan during my time period. And we have a plan now. It's probably more elaborate. And we have weapon systems that you haven't seen yet. Um, when I was in, uh, uh, I, we had things uh, in, 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 in a battlefield posi- in situation in 1971. Uh, I was deployed to a, a hot uh, area. And we had laptops. <laughs> 1971, we had a laptop. <laughs> so... That's just to tell you that the military has technology now that won't, we will, you won't, the public won't get for 10 or 12 or 15 years. So we have weapon systems now. I know we do. Uh, I've spent time outside um, uh, the test range up there and seeing strange things. Anybody can go out there and park outside and look and watch these strange things occurring, uh, these testing of these balls of fire or balls of plasma. Uh, so we have things that we're planning. Now, the question is, why aren't we using them? Why don't we give them to Ukraine? And why don't we, you know, well, it's not for Russia. It's for something else that could occur. So we do have plans and we do have um, technology that's more advanced. I mean, I think it was uh, the guy from Lockheed that said, you know, we could have, we could take ET home. And he said that years ago. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And there, you know, like Rick said, there are O plans. I actually did an O plan back in, I don't know, it might have been like 2005 for something. And I was very surprised that somebody asked me to go be part of this plan X planning exercise, of which when you're done with the plan, they basically close it, they archive it. And then if that situation comes up, they unarchive it and say, okay, this is where we're going to start at least by looking at how we're going to deal with this threat. And I did when I was part of one, uh, uh, back then I thought I was a little bit young for that, but, but, uh, I was selected to go do it. Kev, uh, what do you got finally for, uh, Mr. Doty? Well, actually I just was wondering since you've had a lot of, uh, close encounters of numerous kinds, have you endured any ailments from your, from harmful UAP effects, like any physical ailments? <laughs> uh, um, when I was at uh, uh, Tunapaw, um, I got a rash on my hand after an incident that uh, I've spoke about uh, in Gaia on an episode, the mm-hmm. Urania Mountain incident. Um, I got a, I had a rash on my left hand. Um, just just the top of my hand and it was a very uh, painful rash that uh, doctors uh, uh, military doctors uh, couldn't understand I mean I was, I, I was seen at a clinic there and I was sent to Nellis Air Force Base Hospital they looked at it and I was sent down to the University of uh, Nevada Medical Center in Las Vegas dermatologist 
So huh. you know, we don't know what it is. It eventually yeah. went away, but it happened after uh, we were in that cave, and and I didn't have it anywhere else on my body but uh, just my hand. And I don't know, I, I don't know if that was because of that, but that's that's the only time I can remember ever having any kind of uh, ill effects uh, relating to to you you UFO. Now I I've during the military I jumped out of airplanes and landed wrong oh, yeah. and things like that. But other than that, but uh, all right. What squadron were you before we turn over to Deb? Were you in the twenty first at Pope? Where no, 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 no. Uh, that was way, way, way. Special Tactics was <laughs> was after Project Rainbow. Uh, no, um, uh, I was with a 714 tactical control flight, uh, and that was part of the 601st Combat uh, Support Wing. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 when I was in Germany, uh, in um, uh, Southeast Asia, I was with a 612th Tac Control Flight, and. Most of us, we had one and two teams. The one team were always assigned to Rangers. Mm -hmm. um, and the two teams were teams that went out uh, on their own. Uh, I was assigned to one team. And so I was always attached to Ranger unit. Uh, not always. Uh, we did we we did uh, some work with the AirCab guys, but uh, mostly it was uh, uh, with the Rangers or, or an infantry unit uh, setting up a... Uh, uh, air air control system around a, a combat zone, as you know, Jen, yep. and we would call in uh, calls the, for the, fire. The, yeah, calls yep. for fire. Awesome. Uh, Debs has, uh, I think, an audience question for you, and then that'll that'll be our closer. Okay. Okay. The question is from number sixteen, and it is does. Richard have a history of practicing remote viewing with Dr. Putoff. <laughs> Dr. Evil in the house. Go for it, Rick. <clears throat> well, I have uh, delved into remote viewing. Um, we, we weren't, uh, we didn't have any, uh, when I worked for him for the 11 years I worked for him, uh, I was always interested in the subject of remote viewing because I actually an intelligence we were doing things that were supporting remote viewing. We didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know what remote viewing was at that time. It was even, it was so classified and compartmented. And, and I tried it. I, I uh, sat in a room and I remote, tried to remote view something that was in another part of our, our building in Austin, Texas. Uh, and, and I got a few things right, but it takes a lot of uh, training. Uh, unless you're a natural remote viewer like Pat Price, um, yeah, you're, 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 it's not something that you can just learn overnight. Uh, but I, I did, I did delve into it, but I, I was more fascinated by the others that were there that were remote viewing things that are you know, like Mars and, and, and Neptune and things that were doing it. That just fascinated me. Uh, but yeah, I delved into it a little bit. Deb has a follow-up. I know this is very surprising. Go ahead, Deb. <laughs> no, I just... I, since he is your friend and perhaps he is um, willing to share, I have not seen anything that says whether or not um, put off himself as a remote viewer. No. Just a, okay. That's what I was wondering. Uh, no, Hal's not a remote viewer. Uh, um, Kit Green's not a remote viewer. They facilitated 
they were uh, involved in setting everything up, administrative control. They brought in the uh, people that they trained, of course, uh, Keller and, and Geller and, 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 and Targ and those people were the ones that were and, and others that were training him. Uh, and there's there's other aspects. You know, there's there's other aspects of the other remote viewing program that hasn't been declassified. Uh, and I was always told, you know, I, uh, Dr. Putoff always reminded me that there's a lot of things that are still are classified regarding remote viewing. And one of them, uh, and, and I'm not going to go into great details on this. One of them, if we have time, mm-hmm. is that there is a probably one of the most famous remote viewers that was non-military or non-government that we that we the United States government got a hold of was a school teacher in Maryland, an African American lady that was um, a, a natural remote viewer. She didn't know it. And she just happened to have her kids down at the bay, the Maryland uh, uh, Bay there, the Chesapeake Bay. And she uh, had visions coming to her head of this and that. And she related it to somebody anyways. It gets back to government and she ends up being really a fa- fast, fascinating remote viewer. And there's actually going to be a movie made about her some sometime, but that's about all I can say about it. Uh, Debs is from Maryland. Hopefully uh, they'll be having coffee next week and then she'll be on the dojo. And Rick, you know, can you get Hal put off? He needs to come out. Dr. Put off. He's going to have fun over here. You know that, you know, that. you know, I, I, uh, he, you know what? Hal's not an open person. He's very, very, um, he's very quiet. Um, and he, um, uh, I think he's more or less apprehensive about questions that he can't answer. Not, not that he doesn't know about him, but that's just questions that he just can't answer. And people get the wrong impression of him, but, and I'm not going to speak for him, but uh, I can certainly ask him to be on your show. Um, Special co-host Rick Doty for that episode, Nathan. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. There we go. All right. Everybody's <laughs> going to say their goodbyes. Go ahead, Deb. Thank you so much for agreeing to um, be my future BFF. I look forward to future conversations with you. I greatly appreciate you coming out and speaking to the public and trying to educate them. You're very welcome, Deb. Nice meeting you. Hilarious. Mr. Doty, thank you for protecting us from the, um, the giant aliens, because I know one of your, one of your, uh, counterintelligence jobs was to you know neutralize threats so thank you for getting rid of the the big scary ones and it was it was fantastic meeting you like seriously thank you very much kevin yes thank you for coming on you're very welcome (laughs) money nathan (laughs) yeah uh, again thank you and uh, thank you to our audience uh, for participating today as well rick it's always a pleasure and um i know there's uh, so much wrapped up in the story and and there's so much left so many chapters left to tell in the story so thank you for uh being a part of it and uh for continuing to engage and for taking time uh, today to be with us you're welcome thank you rick there's there yeah we still have tons of questions so we got enough for round three uh, we'll provide you and Dr. Put on together and you'll be a special co-host. Uh, want to shout out to Akashi, Chris, uh, Vinny, Frank from uh, UFO thinker who had uh, 
Uh, Vinny really wants to have. He's the guy. He's the guy from Disclosure Team from the UK. He's part of UAP Media UK. He's dying to have you on, Rick. So uh, we all of us, I think, would highly recommend Vinny. He is such mm-hmm. a gentleman. He is the William Shakespeare of UFO Twitter, and <laughs> like seriously. So, uh, so like and subscribe, everybody. That's all we need uh, for us. If you would like our uh, our, our uh, YouTube, subscribe. And uh, I want to thank you. It's an honor once again to speak with you, uh, Rick. Uh, you know, obviously I joke around a lot, but the amount of uh, work that you've done on behalf of, of our country and are continuing to do right now out of uniform uh, is extraordinarily remarkable, and it's inspiring to somebody like me. So thank you very much, Rick. Namaste. And uh, for I salute you there, DJ. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate you, sir. For uh, Nathan, for Kevin, for Debs, and for Mr. Rick Doty, this is DJ saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.